Move to a new location this evening. First Corinthians chapter number ten. First Corinthians chapter ten. Get you a little fired up before we start the lesson tonight. Uh, I'm not asking to do this, but if I did, repeat after me. There's no God but God. Muhammad is the messenger of God. That's that's not a prayer at a mosque. That's what students in Seminole County, Florida, were told to do in their 10th grade history class. It's not a reading from the Five Pillars of Islam, but a history textbook used in Seminole County High Schools. Brought to the attention of a parent whose child is in the class at Lyman High School. Students are required to recite the prayer off the chalkboard at the teacher's instruction. What's more amazing is the history book, which formerly had 100 pages on Judaism and Christianity, now has only Islam in the section about world religions. Parent Ron Wagner said he was unaware of how intently his son was learning about Islam until he noticed the text on his son's phone. It was from the teacher reminding him to complete the prayer rug assignment and complete an assignment on Islam. Dr. Michael Blazewitz, who is in charge of the school's curriculum, stormed out of an interview with WFTV, but not before telling the station that students have a chance to learn about Judaism and Christianity in earlier years. Federal law allows schools to teach about religion because it's part of history, but public schools may not teach religion. Wagner, the parent, said there's a difference between teaching of the significance or the impact of a religion and teaching the specific tenets of the religion. The students were required to make a Muslim prayer rug and then participate in the saying of Muslim prayers in their 10th grade classroom. That's your tax dollars at work. Amen. And this, uh, this was sent to me uh, this, this week, and we looked this up, and, and sure enough, it was so. Um, your president has a chief of staff. If, if I had, a, if I had a, a, an assistant pastor, a chief of staff, you can bet that that person would agree with me. And that, I, that person, I would be in agreement. Uh, your president's chief of staff is a woman named Valerie Jarrett. How many of you know that, that name? Okay. Uh, she said this uh, while a student at Stanford University in 1977, quote, I am an Iranian by birth and of my Islamic faith. I am also an American citizen, and I seek to help change America to be a more Islamic country. My faith guides me, and I feel like it is going well in the transition using the freedom of religion in America against itself. That would explain many of the decisions that you have a hard time explaining that have taken place in the last few years. Well, I'm not a Muslim. I do not follow Islam. I do not need a rug to pray, nor a call from a minaret to pray. I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible. Um, I have a God that would instruct me to love my enemies, not slit their throats or burn them in cages. And I've I've got a desire to live a victorious Christian life. Not just be saved, go to heaven when I die, live a victorious Christian life. That's what we've been studying. 1 Corinthians 10, 
We'll read verses 1 through 14, and, and it will take us many, many, many uh, sessions together to get uh, through this passage, just as it did the material in first, or in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. It's possible to be an ignorant brethren. Possibly to be saved and to not know much of what you need to know. How that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock, capital R, that followed them, and that rock, capital R, was Christ. Now, The Holy Spirit would have us know, if we do not, or be reminded if we've forgotten, that Israel as a nation was delivered from bondage by their faith in the blood of the Lamb, and that they were subsequently baptized, and that they were on their way to a promised land, and that Christ was with them each step of the way to supply their every need. And I don't guess any of us has been saved a month or two could fail to miss the parallel. Are you saved? You were led out of bondage when you put your faith in the blood of the Lamb. And you have, as a, as a saved individual, I trust, been baptized in obedience to the Lord. And you are on your way to a land of promise prepared for you by God. And Jesus Christ, the rock, is with you every step of the way to supply your every need. Praise the Lord. Verse 5. But with many of them... God was not well pleased. How about that? Not Egyptians, not Canaanites, not Hittites, not Babylonians. Them. With many who were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, He was not well pleased. With many who were baptized and separated from the old life, He was not well pleased. With many who were bound for the land of milk and honey, he was not well pleased. With many who were enjoying the abiding presence of the Son, he was not well pleased. That ought to be alarming to us. Really should. It should should grab our attention and say, Hey, are, are you ignorant, brethren, of the fact... That you can be redeemed by blood, baptized, guided through the wilderness on the way to the promised land, Christ with you every step of the way, and yet be living in a way that is displeasing to the God who has done so much for you. I don't want to be ignorant of that fact. Verse 5, many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. They came short of what God had for them. Now these things were our examples to the intent. Let, let's see what the pitfalls are. Number one, we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Number two, neither be idolaters as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Number three, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Number four, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Next, neither murmur ye 
as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he stand or take heed lest he fall. Now, the Lord didn't say, I don't want you to be ignorant about what they did. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant about what you continue to be capable of doing even after God has done so much for you. Well, you know, if, 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 you are, if you are someone who lusts after evil things, you just need to trust in the blood of the Lamb. They'd already done that. And they still lusted after evil things, and that is an example to us. Well, you know, if you just get, get baptized and start out following Jesus, they had done that. And they were still guilty of idolatry. And it's a warning to us. This tempting of Christ, this murmuring, this, this fornication was committed by people who were feeding on manna that fell out of the sky. They were drinking water that gushed forth out of rocks. They were following a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And after all that God had done for them and all that God was doing for them, they could close their eyes to God and fornicate. They could close their eyes to God and make idols. They could close their eyes to God and complain. And the Holy Spirit says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this because if you are, you will think that just because you stand, you cannot fall. That just because you are standing today, you will always be standing. And that is, I say it biblically, that's a position of ignorance. You are ignoring the history of people redeemed just like you. You're ignoring the history of people for whom God was working every single day, just like He works for you every single day. It's true. It's true. Each of us are by nature in love with self. And it's fair to say the false teaching from the world in most pulpits today, as we've said, has reinforced that self-love rather than denouncing it. Many are under the delusion that whatever they do is pleasing to God because they're so wonderful and glorious that the Holy One must be delighted with every word or deed. But if we yield to lust, God is not well pleased with us. If we tempt Him, if we are idolaters, if we are fornicators, if we are, well, I wouldn't do any of that, complainers, murmurers, God is not well pleased with us. We'll spend uh, sufficient time with each of these points, but for the person who says, I'd never make an idol, the definition of idolatry in this passage is not the definition you would give to it. I would never carve a statue and bow down to it. That's not what he said. He said they sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. They worship pleasure. 
They devoted their lives to amusement and entertainment. They had hours and hours and hours and hours for fun. But when it was time to serve God, they didn't have time. It's idolatry. And so the Lord says, don't be ignorant. We're all capable. They were overthrown in the wilderness. The reference, as we, as we said, people redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, they're traveling in company with Christ. They had a very short journey to a land of delightful blessings. They had the pillar of fire, pillar of, uh, and pillar of cloud. They had God's provision. Yet their discontent with God and His blessings stopped them from enjoying the full blessings the Lord had waiting for them. In fact, in many of their lives, it brought death. Now, these things were for our examples. Look at, look at verse 6. Look how it starts. Now, now these things. The word now is there because nothing's changed from that day to this. You would think that being saved by the blood of the Lamb would secure our lifelong devotion. But look at how many people fall back into sin and walk away from Christ. You would think that being set free from the chains of sin would produce unending gratitude. You'd think that such glorious provision day after day would create loyalty and love. You would think that the thought of the joys waiting just beyond the horizon keep us moving onward. But now, but now, just as surely now as then, the greatest blessings from the Most High God bestowed upon the life of a puny mortal... Seldom to result, seldom result in that man or that woman giving God their all. In fact, I don't know what anybody here tonight could say, I've given God my all. I should. I know I should. It'd be the right thing to do. I know it'd be the right thing to do. It'd be the best thing I could do. I know that. But where does it start? To the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Here the Holy Spirit reveals His intention in discussing this matter. He's, he didn't write this to degrade or humiliate the long-dead Israelites. <laughs> he wrote it to awaken us to the reality that our lust is as real as theirs. And how much more danger do we face? Look, 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 God, He takes these people out of Egypt, right? He brings them to the Red Sea. The waters part. They go through the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army is pursuing. The waters crash down. And now, now Egypt's over there. The Red Sea is here. The children of Israel walk out into a place where God has to feed them with manna from heaven because there's no towns. There's no cities. There's nothing there. The Bible says those people fell victim to their lust without bars, without dancing girls, without drug dealers, without television, without internet, without movie theaters, without new cell phones. <laughs> There's nothing there. 
But God and redeemed people and bushes and dirt and animals. Now, if their lust got them, how much more on guard do we have to be? You know, I heard a preacher say one time, he said, you read the sermons of John Wesley, and I've read a lot of them. Wesley was continually preaching to men about the lust of the flesh and preaching to women about, about a lack of modesty which, which provoked the lust of the flesh. And when John Wesley lived, if a man ever saw a woman's ankle in public, it was scandalous. You realize, driving down the highway in Florida... You see between here and Orlando more pornography than your fathers and grandfathers saw in, in three and four years of public high school. It's everywhere. You, you, you stop to get gasoline, here's fornicate music coming out of the speakers over your head. Here's naked women on advertising pictures on the gas pump. You walk in the store and pay for your gasoline. There's beer here. There's a wall of cigarettes there. There's a guy standing outside trying to sell you a pot. It's everywhere. You don't have to go looking for something to lust after. It's jamming itself into your eyeballs. It's pouring itself into your ears. It's waving its arms at you in every possible way. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And if those people in that wilderness fell a-lusting, then the, the, the problem must not be external, it must be internal. They didn't have the pictures you have, but they end up fornicating. They didn't have the entertainment opportunities you have, but they ended up idolaters for, for eat, drink, and rise up to play. They didn't have all the pressures of life that you had, but they fell to murmuring. So it must be there's something on the inside that is a great danger. Not that on the outside. So, you know, if I just get out there in that wilderness, yeah, but the Lord, you know what, you know what He did? He sent he sent Paul and Peter and James and John and the apostles. He sent them to cities. Go to Corinth and preach the gospel. Lasciviousness. Go to Athens and preach the gospel. Idolatry. Go to Rome and preach the gospel. Paganism. He didn't say hide in the wilderness so you won't be tempted. He said hide Christ in your heart so you won't be tempted. If your heart's not right, the wilderness is too much temptation. If your heart's right, Mars Hill, Caesar's house, a slave ship, downtown Jerusalem, the public square at Corinth. is not too great a temptation. It's the heart. It's the heart. Well, you know, my eyes, I just pluck my eyes out. It wouldn't stop it. I'll just stop my ears and don't hear it anymore. You've heard enough already. Go back to the rest of your life. God's intent is that we should not lust after evil things. 
And boys and girls, whether anybody's still saying it or not, some things are evil. Some things are just evil. Physical contact outside of marriage, an evil thing. Physical contact with same gender, an evil thing. Booze, an evil thing. Dopes, an evil thing. Lions, an evil thing. Nakedness, an evil thing. A lot of evil out there in that world. Stealing, cheating, idolatry, false religion. These are evil things. And the Lord's writing to people who've trusted the blood of the Lamb for their redemption. People He's providing everything they need every single day. And He said, hey, I'm talking to you. There's something in you that still lusts after evil things. You still want it. Maybe you prayed up and read up and fellowshiped up and preaching up and you had a good day today. We're not talking about how you handled today. We're not talking about how you've been doing for a week. We're not talking about how long you've been sober. We're saying biblically, every person who ever reads 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is told by the Holy Spirit, I'm talking to you. Which means you don't outgrow it, you don't eradicate it, you don't conquer it, you don't get beyond it, you don't get above it, you gotta deal with it every single day. This is where we must give earnest heed. The danger's not without, it lies within. Lord's not here telling us beware eat, beware drink, beware play, beware fornication, beware the like. <laughs> All these things are in the passage. He's warning us that inside us is a silent, steady corruption, a resentment of God's government over our lives. No matter how glorious that government might be, there's something in us that does not want to be ruled. You have the best husband in the world. Something inside wants to kick against that. You can be the best church in the world. Something inside wants to find fault with it. You can have the greatest parents that ever lived. Something inside wants to be free. I'm, I'm just telling you. It'll never be good enough for the flesh to stop objecting. You'll never have enough. Without going back to our, to our first passage. Remember Nathan came into David and he said, he said, David, God gave you so much of what you wanted that all the Holy Spirit can have me say is such and such things. I don't even have time to tell it all. But it wasn't enough, was it? Just weren't satisfied. Lucifer dwelt in glory with beauties and bestowments unmatched in any created being. He looked up and wanted that throne. Eve walked among all that God had made and all that God had deemed very good. And she wanted that fruit, that one piece of fruit. Let none of us think that the gifts of God or the blessings of God or the favors of God or the promises of God are sufficient to nullify pride, resentment, and lust. 
all of God and all of God's creation are not enough for the flesh. It's insatiable. It's never satisfied. The Bible does not call upon us to deny things. That's where you fail. It calls on us to deny self. The things, the things are not the problem. Self is the problem. We're not bidden to rid the world of evil, but to sanctify the Lord in our hearts. There's no command to crucify the wickedness around us, but to put to death our affection for those things. The dangers without are nothing compared to the evil which lurks within. They were redeemed, they lusted. They were saved by the blood, they lusted. They were baptized and their pursuing foes were cut off, they lusted. They gathered bread from heaven, they lusted. They drank life-giving water from the rock, they lusted. They felt the earth shake and saw the mountain smoke, they lusted. Bathsheba did not make David's fall, David fall. Joab did not compel the murder of Uriah. The devil's never mentioned as being on the scene. Lust ruled the day. It's me. I'm the problem. Let's talk. You know, when the guys I listened to in the 70s, they've been preaching since the 40s and 50s. And when they went after television and what it was doing to the minds and the hearts of Christians and the morals of the nation, could they have foreseen what cable TV would have brought into the home. And when the men of the, of, the, of the 80s, the few that were left crying out against that, could they have foreseen what the internet would do to our society? We've got just about everything I've preached since about 1981. And if you could go back, I, I don't know where you could find it, but if you go back, I, I'll tell you what you'll find on there. I said 20 years ago, with the advent of the internet, that you were going to see molestation and rape and sexual perversion like no one can imagine because nobody's mind is that polluted in 20 years. And you look at where we are. Now, now wait, now wait. There's a computer right there in that sound room. There's a computer in my office. There's a computer in Brother David's office. There's a computer in most of your pockets right now on your, on your phone. Every filthy thing in the world is available to you at the touch of a button. And every godly and righteous thing in the world is available to you at the touch of a button. So it's not the internet. It's the operator. It's you. What button do you want to push? It's you. I wonder what's on there. I wonder what's in there. I wonder what that's all about. Of course you do. I wonder why I can't have that fruit. Of course you do. I wonder why God says that's wrong. Of course you do. That flesh 
It just doesn't say, I wonder why God's so good to me. I just wonder why the Lord protects me from all those things. I just wonder why God would care so much about me as to give me all these warnings. The flesh never, 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 never views it that way. Why can't I? Oh, I can't have dessert, Mom. That's okay. Thanks for cooking. It's okay, Mom. Thanks for cleaning my clothes. It's okay, and no dessert. I, I, I don't understand, Mom. Why, you know, but, but you've always been so good to me. It must be in my best interest. That's just not in us. It's not there. You can train it. You can teach it. You can subdue it. You can rear it. You can... It takes all that. And in the first time something doesn't go our way... Flesh, man, the flesh. Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Now that's introduction. We've got about, we've got, I think I counted 39 verses to look at tonight, and it's not going to happen. It needs to, but it's not going to. Galatians 5. Now, now, verse 17. That's a good place to start. Or 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Well, you couldn't do that if you weren't saved, right? If you're not saved, you don't have the Spirit. So he's addressing saved people. Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So saved people have it. He didn't say walk in the Spirit and you won't have the lust of the flesh. He said if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill it. It never stops wanting what it wants. See that? For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Now look, there's never a time when the Holy Spirit is not against your flesh. Hallelujah. But he also said there's never a time when your flesh is not against the Holy Spirit. You see that? Now, now, look, look, brother, sister. There are times when you have to go out in that world, you got to go to work. It's their music. You you got to go on a job. It's their vocabulary. You got to go to school. It's it's their it's their dress code. You got to drive down the highway. They buy the billboards. Look, I get all that. You say, okay, but you know what I'm going to do? My home's going to be a refuge. We're going to have a Christian home. We're going to have a godly home. We're not going to have that in our home and that in our home. We're going to have these good things in our home, these right things in our home. And then we're going to go to church and we're going to be there as often as we can. We're going to fellowship with God's people. Isn't that great? You know what the Bible said? In your home, which you have made Christian, your flesh lusts against the Spirit. In church, with the Bible being preached, your flesh lusts again. It never stops. Your flesh doesn't lust against the Holy Spirit when you go to church street to preach and there's nightclubs everywhere. Your flesh lusts against the Holy Spirit when you're in the van with Christians singing hymns and praying on your way to church street. It never stops. 
You can sit right here with me preaching the Bible in your lap and have some of the filthiest thoughts run through your mind, some of the most grumbling, griping thoughts running through your mind, some of the most rise up to play thoughts running through your mind. It doesn't stop. You're praying. You're praying. Lord, I sure pray you'd bless my church and and then uh, Yeah, that guy he bugs me. Every time I see him he does something. Oh, and, and Lord, I pray you'd bless the preacher and uh, I'm telling you, you're praying. You're praying and your flesh is trying to get in there. Well, you don't pray for him, you don't pray for her. Never stops. Never stops. Verse, <laughs> verse uh, 17, the flesh lusts against spirit, spirit against flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not of the law. Now, 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 the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Okay, just for a minute, do something for me. Take one hand, reach over and touch the other hand. You know what you're feeling? Flesh. You got it. It's you. It's me. Right now, save people. Here's who you're writing to. Your flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. I'd never do any of those things. You're the one he's writing to. I couldn't do that. You could, you could, you could. That's what he said. Don't be ignorant. You could. Maybe you know because you have. Maybe you don't know because you haven't. But the Bible says you could. Other which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things lose their salvation. No, no, no. Shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Look. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm out of Egypt. I'm baptized. I've crossed the Red Sea. My enemies, external, are behind me. I'm going through the wilderness. God providing my every need. I'm on my way to the promised land. But my sins are keeping me from my inheritance. You can do those things. If you do those things, you will never get to the inheritance God has for you. They could have got there in two months. It took them 40 years. You can enjoy God's blessings in two months. Or you can meddle around with the flesh and muddle around in sin and take you 40 years. It's not that you couldn't have it. Now, now watch what he says. 22, through the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, tempest. Against such there is no law. So, I can have all that right now. I'm saved, i got the Holy Spirit. I can have love, or I can have hatred. I can have joy, or I can have lasciviousness. I can have peace, or I can have seditions and, and, and wrath. I can have uh, long-suffering, or I can have witchcraft. You see, I'm capable right now of manifesting the fruit of the Spirit And I'm capable right now of evidencing the work of the flesh. And so are you, every one of us. 
Everybody that's saved can do both. Well, what do I have to do? Verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let's also walk in the Spirit. Now look, here's what he said. For me to to enjoy the, the fruit of the Spirit, live a victorious Christian life, I can't crucify the world. I can't crucify its fashions. I can't crucify its entertainments. I can't crucify its religions. I can't crucify its tempt. I have to say to my flesh, you don't get to live today. The Holy Spirit gets to live today, not you. Hands, you're only handling what He approves of. Eyes, you're only looking on, dwelling on what He approves of. Look. I can't crucify the world. I have to crucify the flesh. I gotta kill it. I gotta kill it. I gotta kill it. I gotta kill it. You say, how often? Well, how many times is Galatians 5? Every single day. Suppose, look, the Bible says God's a living God, right? Come on, He's, he's living God. Don't, doesn't He number the hairs of your head? Okay, there's some, there's, there's some one day and they're not there the next day and then it seems like maybe they, that some back the next day and they're this color one day and that color the next day and they change. They change. A lot of things in our life change. So God, God is able. He's able. You know what He could do? Because He's God. Could He answer every, hear every one of our prayers one time? Could He, could He know every one of our needs at one time? Okay, here's what he could do. You could read Galatians 5. Four of you could. Could read Galatians 5. And you could crucify your flesh today. And tomorrow when you read Galatians 5, it wouldn't be there. God, God could change it to say, a boy. Thanks for crucifying your flesh. God could just put that in your Bible. God could put it right in there. He could do that. And you tried to show it to somebody else and they couldn't see it because God just put it in your Bible for you. It wouldn't be there. Now, I know people see stuff like that in the Bible all the time. I'm talking about God really doing it. What, What I'm saying is, if you've been saved 60 years and every day of your life since you got saved, you read Galatians 5, you know what it would say? Every day it would say, you have to crucify your flesh. You know why? Because every single day you have to crucify your flesh. The world is not going to clean itself up so you're more comfortable. You have, you're going to have to take those lusts and, and just, just kill them. Maybe, maybe more than once a day, maybe all day long. Colossians 2. Colossians chapter number, I'm sorry, 3. Colossians 3. That's one verse down, 38 to go. Colossians 3, verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, I am, are you? Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, Not on things on the earth. 
The earth isn't going to change. Things on the earth aren't going to change. Heaven's not going to change. Things in heaven aren't going to change. The only thing you are capable of changing is where you set your affection. Isn't that right? They got these these killer whales down there at SeaWorld and people people all upset because the killer whales are trapped at SeaWorld and have to do tricks and stuff and instead of being out in the ocean with starving to death. But out there in the ocean, no killer whale gets people applauding and clapping and taking their pictures and everything else. Anyway, so here's this gigantic, enormous killer whale, and they want to teach it to, to do a splash thing. You know what they do? They get this fish, and they stick that fish right in that whale's face, and they look at that. You see that? You want that? <laughs> you want that? And the whale starts looking around, and no, no, hey, right here, right here, you want that? And they get that whale to do what it's supposed to do if they can get a focus on that fish. You'll train, you'll train a dog, you get a dog, you want to train a dog? Well, dogs are smartest people. No, they're not. They're not. They can't read. They can't write. They can't. That's all kinds of stuff. Again, anyway, that dog. You say. You say. Sit. You say. Sit. Dog ain't gonna sit. No, I want you to sit right there. Come on, dog. Look, it's, I'm gonna impress my friends and show them what a smart dog. You want you to sit right there. He don't care what you say. You got to get a piece of food, man. And you say, now sit. Smell that? You like that? Yeah. <laughs> sit. Dog looking all around. Hey, right here. Right here. And here we are. I mean, I'm smarter than a killer whale. I'm smarter than a dog. But compared to God? So the Lord's saying, hey, hey, I want you to have a great marriage. <laughs> hey, hey, up here. Up here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want you to have good life, good friendships. Really, Lord? Thanks. That's... Oh, oh, wow. Wow. Hey, hey, up, up here. Up here. You know what my problem is? I'm capable. But I'm so distracted by everything going on around me. You know what? You get that killer whale to lock in on that stupid little fish. There'd be 15,000 people yelling, making noise, dropping popcorn, letting balloons fly up and everything else. And that whale's going to do that splash thing right on time because it's locked in. That dog, you get that dog locked in on that little biscuit thing. And there's the cats over here and the kids are over here and the stove cooking on fire and everything else. And that dog, he's looking at, he wants that little piece of food. You know what God said? All that's going on in the world, and all that's going on in the world, and all that over there is going on in the church, and all that's going on in your family, and all that's going on at work. And hey, hey, up here. Up here. Look here. You've got to take the desire of your heart and the longing of your heart and the wants of your flesh and the appetites of your life and, and get your Self away from all this junk going on around you and get your affection set on things above. Where Christ sits, the right hand of God. Lock it in there. You know what my problem is? 
I'm distracted. That's what the world is. It's just one great big giant distraction. Look at me. Look at me. No, look at me. Shop here. Buy here. 10% off. Double the price. Here's, here's, a, here's a special flyer. Here's a, here's a big deal this weekend. It's not a TV show. It's an event. It's not a program. It's a special. <laughs> oh, I got to see that. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Go home tonight if you want to. Try to find a verse on denying the world. It's not there. Luke 9, 23. And he said to them all. And he said to them all. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross, say it, daily, and follow me. That means what you did yesterday is going to have to be repeated. What you've done for two decades, you're going to have to keep doing Well, this world is getting worse and worse. Eh, Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you just know more about it. Maybe you just got more information. Maybe you just read more Bible and it looks worse. They they can deliver the sin to you faster and more efficiently and in in more ways. But it's no cheaper. It's no different. You find me a sin going on out there that isn't addressed in the Bible. Stuff's all been going on. But here's what he said. You've got to deny yourself. You can follow Christ if you'll deny yourself. Because he walked right through this world untouched by it. Well, what did he do? Well, he didn't go into a town and get rid of all the booze. He just... Didn't allow himself to partake of it. He didn't go into a town and, and, and strike all the harlots dead. He just didn't partake of it. You are not going to improve this world at all. It's not going to happen. I'm going to start this internet campaign to get rid of... <laughs> Help yourself. Not happening. What are you going to get rid of? You going to clean up the school system? Help yourself. You close up the borders and tighten up the security? Yeah, go for it. What are you going to do? How about the corruption? The economic corruption and inequality? Yeah, go for that. Where are you going to start? It would boggle your mind to look at one sin and then try to figure out how you're going to stop it. You know what the Lord said? No, I want you to deny yourself. Deny yourself. Just just learn to say, God doesn't approve of that, I'm not doing it. God doesn't like that, I'm not going to like it. Just, it's that simple. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. Oh, this got away from us tonight. Ephesians 2, I guess we're going to be on this a while. 
Ephesians 2. I've been so encouraged. We've been on some, some rough stuff since the first of the year. And our attendance, not only has it not declined, it's, it seems it's even increased. What a blessing. Ephesians 2 verse 1, And you hath he quickened. Praise the Lord. Who were dead in trespasses and sins? Not anymore. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, according to the, uh, the spirit now working in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh. Now, now, now look at this. Verse 2, the course of this world. Verse 2, the prince of the power of the air. Verse 2, children disobedience. So what do I got? I got the entire world system. I got the devil and all his workers. And then I've got evil people disobeying God. See that? And you know who the Lord blames for my former sins? Me. Look, look what he says. Verse 2 there's a course of this world. Verse 2, there's a prince of the power of the air. Verse 2, there's a spirit and children of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation time past in the lusts of our flesh. The problem wasn't the world, it was that I wanted the world. The problem wasn't the devil, it's that I had so much in common with the devil. The problem wasn't all those disobedient people, it's that I wanted to be one of them. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Hmm. <laughs> so here's the trouble. Get saved at 15. Get saved at 25. Get saved at 40. Get saved at 50. Hallelujah, I'm saved. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Woo-hoo! Washed in the blood. Baptized. On the way. God's helping me every day of my life. I'm on the way to the promised land. Yeah, but here's the problem. Your entire life, you've acted a certain way to a certain stimulus. And now you're supposed to act another way. Right? But you've been acting this way for 20 years. And two weeks ago, you found out you weren't supposed to act that way. Grandpa yelled at Grandma all the time, treated like dirt. Daddy yelled at Mama all the time, treated like dirt. You got married, you married a little lady, and you just yell at her all the time, treated like dirt. But bless God, last week you walked that aisle and trusted Jesus and you're saved. Guess how it's going to go the next day when she does something you don't like. Come on, there's a course. You've been following that course. You've been trained in that course. You have habitually chosen that course. Great, you're saved, praise God. Now there's a Holy Spirit inside you. But this flesh, it just does things a certain way and it don't need the devil to help it. It's just what it does. 
You need the Holy Spirit to stop it. You think you're going to use certain words 30, 35, 40, 45, 50 years? And two weeks after you get saved, they just vanish from your mind and from your vocabulary and they're not there anymore? They'll always be there. Look, here's, here's what's so weird to me. It's, it's so strange. I've had children, my children had friends, and, and I've been around church kids my entire adult life. It's so strange. You're riding in a car, and a five-year-old hears a seven-year-old, or a four-year-old hears a six-year-old use a word that's not appropriate. The four-year-old's never heard that word in his life. And he goes, <laughs> How did that kid know that was a dirty word? Nobody ever said to that child, Now here's the words you don't say because they're dirty. And yet as soon as that kid hears an older kid use a dirty word, they're giggling and they're blushing and they're, Oh, you shouldn't say that. You know why? Because you got something in you called the flesh, just like I got something in me called the flesh. A boy's going to do that the first time he sees what he shouldn't see, and a girl's going to do that the first time she hears something she shouldn't hear. It's not training. It's the nature of this flesh. Now, you haven't been exposed to everything yet, but when you are, you're going to want it. Well, I'd never be tempted to do that because you haven't been tempted to do that. Look, the reason you got so many 14, 15, 16 year old perverts is because they found out something when they were nine years old you still don't know about. They've been watching people do stuff on their computer since they were 12 that you've never seen anybody do in your life. So, well, I'd never be tempted to do something like that. 1 Corinthians 10 said, don't talk that way. This flesh has to be restrained. It has to be crucified. It has to be denied. If you took up the cross every day for the last 50 years, you know what the Bible says? When you read Luke 9, it says, to every one of them, You want to follow me today? Take up your cross today and follow me. You got to pick it up every single day. I was was shocked. I I started preaching November 77. We went to a nursing home. We started having Monday night services in a nursing home or participating in Monday night services in a nursing home. And I'm sitting there and and there's this, this guy in a wheelchair... Just, he drooling on himself, he's got food all over his, his little gown, he just, out of it. And they wheel this woman in for the church service, who's, I mean, she's, she's nursing home in every sense of the word. She just, there's just not much left of the poor lady. And that old guy, Caesar, wipes his mouth off dusts the food off his gown, and wheels over and grabs her thigh. I'm sitting there 19 years old, and I thought, 
You think at some point that goes away. And it does. When the shovels full of dirt start landing on top of the box you're in. He looked at her and said, no, I think she's in my league. There he went. This one was boy went to preach in a nursing home like some of you guys do, and she took that boy by the hand. She said, you look just like my third husband. He said, wow, how many times have you been married? She said, twice. <laughs> yeah. You know what frustrates me, if you're honest, you know what frustrates you? After all these years I've been saved, I, there aren't any new temptations in my life. It's the same stuff I've been battling as long as I can remember battling anything. And mine aren't yours and yours aren't mine, but what yours are, they're yours. And as long as you're in that flesh, you're going to have to crucify them. As long as you're in that flesh, you're going to, have to take up that cross every single day and deny yourself. Okay, now, look, I'm going to say this, and I want to say this right, and I want to say this careful. We were better off, we were better off with Falwell's Moral Majority and Don Wildman's National Family Association than we are now. But they both missed the mark. Because if, when you write, if you write a billion letters to Hollywood and ask them to get women who are inappropriately dressed on TV off TV and depictions of adultery off TV, it ain't happening. It's not going to, as long as there have been motion pictures, there have been lewd women and killing and murder and stealing in motion pictures. They're made by men who are governed by their flesh. And they're produced and distributed by people who are governed by their flesh. And they're enjoyed by people who are governed by their flesh. If you will crucify your flesh, you won't watch those movies and you won't watch those TV shows and you don't have to clean up Hollywood because you ain't in Hollywood. Jesus never told his disciples to go into a town and clean it up. He told them to go into a town and preach the gospel. So that people could get saved and God could start to clean them up. Do I wish our town was purer than it is? Absolutely. Absolutely. When I, when I start out preaching, we preached against the high school majorettes and cheerleaders marching in the parades. We did. I can't believe you do that. Really? You're out there kicking up that much uncovered leg in front of every man in town? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with that. That's what I'm saying. Who's going to agree with you? Who would agree that that's something to preach against? Well, the Christians. Really? Really? In what town? But anyway, I wish now they had a parade and that's all you had to preach against. 
Now they got flaming perverts displaying the depth of their depravity for all the world to see. Well, we need to start a campaign to stop it. You ain't going to stop it. You got to stop you. That's what the Bible said. You got to stop you. Hmm. Well, we're going to get a lot farther than this than we did tonight. But I think you see where we're going. I'm redeemed, hallelujah, by the blood of the Lamb. I've been baptized unto Jesus Christ. I've been baptized into Christ. I've had the spirit baptism. I've had the water baptism. I've had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, all that. Lord provides my needs every single day, and I'm on my way to a promised land. But the Bible said, I'm talking to you. Well, I'm the preacher. I'm talking to you. You, you. Lord, I've been, I've been following you all. I'm talking to you. Your flesh is what's going to get you. Giants couldn't stop David. Philistines couldn't stop David. Bears couldn't stop David. Lions couldn't stop David. Armies couldn't stop David. But David could stop David. See? See? So, that's the start. New passage. New passage. I need it. You need it. We all need it. Amen. All right. Father.